Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, hi, we want to welcome you to week number two of our virtual services here at Grace Crossing Church. Uh, I don't think any of us uh, would have ever anticipated or expected that we would be coming into Easter week meeting virtually online. But here we are, friends. God had something uh, in mind. God knew something was coming long before we did. Uh, So though this may have caught us by surprise, it certainly isn't catching God by surprise. But we want to welcome all of you as you gather with us today, uh, wherever you are and whatever format you're gathering with us. We know that some of you here this morning on Sunday morning are gathering with your families and you're worshiping at our 930 or 1115 service as a family in your home. And we want to thank you for joining us today. Some of you are watching this on social media. Somebody posted it uh, and shared it on their feed or on their platform, and you're taking advantage of it there. We want to welcome all of you that are joining us today on social media. Some of you perhaps got an email like my mother and father-in-law who are uh, in their late 80s and not leaving their home, and so we are providing this for them as a way to worship God with us. Um, And so however you're joining us today, uh, we want to thank you for being a part of Uh, our celebration as we gather here at Grace Crossing Church today on this Palm Sunday. Now, if you have visited our website, you may have noticed there is a phrase that we're using, and that phrase right now is that the church has left the building. Listen, we have not canceled church. We have suspended our gatherings. We have have suspended our, 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 our gathering and physical services. But we in no way, shape, or form have canceled church. You see, I've said for years that church is not a place you go. Church is a people who go in Jesus' name and on behalf of Christ. We are called to follow him wherever we are. And so we are now in a virtual gathering. We are now meeting and virtually online. Now, for some of you, you, this may seem really strange. For some of you, this may feel like it's not really church. But I want to go back all the way back to 2006, when we launched Grace Crossing Church. Uh, Many of you, in fact, most of you were not part of Grace Crossing Church back then. But we started this church as literally a mobile church. We were a church without walls. We had no building. For the first four years, from 2006 to nearly 2010, we met virtually, week to week, never knowing coming into the week which space we were going to be in. We met primarily on the campus of Wright State University in three different locations. But truth be told, there were weeks where they could not get us space. And we were left to find space. Sometimes we met outdoors. Uh, We gathered outside when the weather was conducive, and we may be doing that in the coming weeks. Um, but, But here's what we learned, and here's what I learned as a pastor during those times and during that season in our in our church's history. I learned that you don't need a building to be the church. In fact, we are never more New Testament. We are never more um, like the book of Acts than when we are meeting without a building, when we are gathering together in unique formats, in formats that are different, formats that are without walls. So this virtual gathering, uh, we pray, is not unusual or uncomfortable for you because we in no way cease to be the church as we gather here as Grace Crossing Church. And if you're visiting, you're just jumping in today and you're just joining us, we really want to welcome you. And we pray that you'll join us for the duration of our time together. It'll only be about 30 minutes or so. But I think in this time, you're going to find your heart being encouraged 
by the Lord. And so as we begin, one of the things we're doing this week that we didn't do last week is we actually are adding music to this virtual gathering this morning. Um, I think that's really important. And we're doing it in a way where we're honoring our stay-at-home order uh, here in Ohio. Um, we, we talked as a, uh, with some of our band leadership about what the right way would be for us to bring this forward. And we felt the best way for us to do it was to actually do it organically, right from our homes, just like all of you are staying at home right now. And so we're going to be incorporating, we're going to be worshiping together with some of our our, our band leads uh, this morning as they lead us in worship, and we just want to invite you to join us as we uh, gather together virtually here for our second week of online church at Grace Crossing Church. I want to frame this morning's service by reading to you from Psalm 95. It's a great psalm. It's actually a great call to worship. Let me read the words to you, but more importantly, I want to invite you to put yourself now in a posture of receiving from God. Uh, perhaps take a few deep breaths right now. Perhaps just still your heart, quiet your interior. Whatever you're doing right now, um, I would just urge you not to be uh, distracted with any other forms of entertainment or any other forms of, of uh, devices right now that you could be looking at, but rather just focus with us together as we worship. Wherever we are, we're gathering virtually all through our community and we want you to worship with us. So still yourself, quiet yourself. Uh, take a few deep breaths. Perhaps put yourself uh, in an upright position with your feet flat on the floor. Maybe open your hands before you as a way of invitation to God. And be present right now. Be present with God. Be present with yourself. Be present with those you're with if you're gathering with your family or you're gathering perhaps on social media with others. Be present with God right now. Psalm 95, come. Let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care.
Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. Oh, my heart will sing your praise again. Promise still stands. Great is your As we continue our time of worship today, I'd like to read to you um, Psalm 23, one of the most familiar psalms, um, one of the most popular psalms, and um, words that bring comfort to our hearts, especially at times like these. But about a month ago, I was introduced to a translation of the Bible that I had never heard of before called The Voice. And I remember reading Psalm 23 from The Voice translation. And the words of Psalm 23 just really ministered to my soul. In fact, it was, I think, God's way of preparing me for this season that we were about to step into, uh, this time of uh, being separated, this time of sheltering in place and staying at home and beginning to feel perhaps uh, distant and isolated. And I remember the words uh, were so profound, and I want to share them with you today as I lead us in and through some prayer points 
that have been on my heart that I've been praying about. And I want to invite you this morning uh, to join me in prayer for these different needs. Here it is, Psalm 23 from The Voice. The eternal is my shepherd. He cares for me always. He provides me rest in rich green fields beside streams of refreshing water. He soothes my fears. Don't you just love that? He soothes my fears. He makes me whole again, steering me off worn hard paths to roads where truth and righteousness echo his name. Even in the unending shadows of death's darkness, I am not overcome by fear because you are with me in those dark moments. Near me, your protection and guidance. I am comforted. You spread out a table before me, provisions in the midst of attack for my enemies. You care for all of my needs, anointing my head with soothing fragrant oil, filling my cup again and again with your grace. Certainly your faithful protection and loving provision will pursue me wherever I go, always, everywhere. I will always be with the eternal in your house forever. I love those words. He soothes my fears. He's with me even when I walk through unending shadows of death's darkness. Even then, I'm not overcome with fear. So would you join me today in praying about several things that have been in my heart that I've been praying about? And as I mention these in prayer today, what I'd like you to do is if there's somebody you know who fits one of these categories, perhaps it's you, I'd like you to pray for that need just briefly today as we journey together in prayer. First of all, I'm praying for those on the front lines of this response, including health officials who are working around the clock to protect us. Lord, have mercy. We pray for courageous first responders in the medical field who are working for the health and safety of our communities in hospitals, clinics, and emergency rooms. Lord, have mercy. We pray for God to grant wisdom to government leaders throughout the world on both national uh, and state and local levels regarding actions to be taken to protect the citizens that they serve. Lord, have mercy. We pray for people who are more than likely than others to become severely ill from COVID-19, the elderly and people with chronic health conditions. Lord, in your mercy, we pray, have mercy. We pray for the health and well-being of those who already have been affected by this virus. Reminded that while the Lord walked on this earth, he showed his power by healing people of all ages from physical, mental, and spiritual ailments. Lord, do it again. Have mercy. We pray for those who are filled with fear and anxiety, feelings of isolation, uh, from people receiving treatment and those under quarantine. Lord, in your mercy, comfort and give peace. We pray for those who've been impacted financially 
by this interruption, thanking the God that he is the one that meets all of our needs. Lord, have mercy. We pray for a faith that we will not only endure through this, but that we will grow and that we will lift up the name of Jesus. Lord, have mercy. And finally, we pray and I pray for a spirit of peace and that a pandemic of hope would spread globally as God's people called by his name, live out their faith in the midst of this crisis. Lord, help us, your people, to be faithful to you in this time. Lord, have mercy on us.
as we come into our second week of our series, The Church Has Left the Building, uh, what I'd like to do this week is speak to you about a really important topic as we enter this week, which is known as Passion Week. A uh, lot of significant things happened in Jesus' life in his final week. Um, he comes into Jerusalem uh, riding on a young donkey, and the Bible says that people fill the streets with uh, palm branches, and they sing Hosanna. Salvation has come uh, to us. Hosanna to the King. Um, he is welcomed in with worship as he comes into Jerusalem, knowing that he's about to give his life for us. He um, gathers with his disciples on the Passover, and he he celebrates one final meal with them, and he institutes what we know today as the Lord's Supper. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Drink of this, eat of this, as often as you do it until I come, because as often as you do, you show the Lord's death till I come. He moves from that table into the Garden of Gethsemane, where he pours out his soul, the depths of his soul to God, and um, he cries out to the Lord, if there's any way possible, Father, take this cup from me, yet not my will be done, but your will be done. And then some of us know the rest of the story. Jesus is arrested. He's falsely accused. He's put through a quick trial where he is sentenced to die by execution by Roman crucifixion. He gives his life. He's buried for three days. And then we celebrate on Easter Sunday the resurrection of Jesus. But that's not where we are this week. Where we are this week is that we are sitting with Christ in his suffering. Last week I talked about waiting enlarges your soul. And this week I want to talk about suffering uh, enhances your character. I want to speak today about entering into Christ's sufferings here in this Passion Week. Let me set the frame for this by reading to you from Paul's letter to the Philippian church, Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. Paul says, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, as garbage, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And then here's what Paul prays. Paul says that I may know him, Jesus, and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now friends, I don't know about you, but I would much rather prefer to experience the power of Christ's resurrection than experience the suffering of his crucifixion. I love Easter, but I'm not so fond of Passion Week and Good Friday and the crucifixion. Truth be told, I want to be like Jesus in almost every way, but I'm not so sure that I'm fully prepared to join the Apostle Paul in his prayer to become like Jesus in his death. If I'm completely honest, I like the idea of being a triumphant Christian much more than being like Christ in his suffering and in his death. 
And yet I find myself moving headlong into Easter week, feeling a sense of suffering. Now don't get me wrong. I've not been falsely accused this past week. I've not been rejected by my closest friends and my family. I don't expect to be beaten within an inch of my life this week. And I don't anticipate receiving a death sentence. But like you, I too am suffering. I feel the pain of being apart and feeling isolated. I feel the sadness and the sorrow of not being about able to be with those that I love, my family, my friends, my church community. I feel the anxiety and the uncertainty about the future, wondering if we will ever again be able to return to business as usual. I feel the limits and the losses of my freedoms and my pleasures. And this will be the first time in my adult life that I will not be with my biological family and with my church community on Easter Sunday. And it feels like suffering. It's not close to what Jesus experienced on this Holy Week, but it is nonetheless a form of suffering. So in my daily meditation this past week, as I've been preparing for Easter and for Holy Week, I began reading from Isaiah chapter 53. It's the great messianic passage of scripture that actually is all about Jesus and all about predicting that he was going to be a suffering savior. Now, if you are looking for a place to drop in on the story of Jesus, as we enter into what is historically known as Holy Week, I would strongly recommend that you spend some time sitting with this particular chapter, Isaiah 53. It is rich with its imagery and specificity about how far Jesus was going to go to communicate God's love for us. Just 12 verses in length, Isaiah 53 reminds us that Jesus voluntarily and willingly gave himself over to God's preferred plan for his life. Let me just share just two of the verses that really speak to me on this Palm Sunday. It says that Jesus was known in Isaiah 53, verses 3 and 4. Jesus was known as a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. What does it mean when it says that Jesus was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief? I think it means that Jesus suffered a lot. I think it means that Jesus experienced a lot of sorrow. I think it means there was a deep level of grieving in his soul often that made him known to be a person, a man of sorrows, fully acquainted with grief. You don't get acquainted with grief without experiencing a lot of it. Now, there is a biblical word for this, and it's the word lament. Now, we rarely have ever used this word today, lament, but we all experience it from time to time. A lament is just simply a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. And I don't know about you, but I have been lamenting quite a bit lately. Jesus knew a thing or two about lamenting. 
He entered into our pain and was tested, the Bible says, in all ways as we are, yet without sin. And don't misunderstand Jesus being without sin as Jesus being without feelings. Jesus very much felt the pain and suffering of humanity. I love the final verse of Isaiah 53, verse 12. I will give him honors, the honors of a victorious soldier, because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels. Did you catch what this verse says? Jesus voluntarily exposed himself to death. I mean, the number one thing right now that we're all trying to avoid is exposure, right? None of us want to get exposed to the coronavirus. None of us want to become susceptible to this disease, COVID-19. All of us are doing everything in our power to make sure that we avoid exposure. But think about this. Jesus came to this earth and Jesus willingly exposed himself to the disease of humanity, which resulted in his death. Jesus did not avoid, did not avoid uh, being exposed. He leaned into our suffering and ultimately was infected by our sin as our Savior. And as a, a suffering Savior, Jesus didn't see suffering as a thing to be avoided, but a thing to be embraced. He fully shared in our sufferings so that he could fully lament, grieve, feel sorrow with us. And so as we together lament the ravages of the disease of humanity that's happening here today through this pandemic, I believe with all of my heart, Jesus laments with us. So as we enter into what is historically known as this Passion Week, it'll be filled, I believe, with more lamenting than any of us are used to. In a sense, this week gives us the opportunity to do for Jesus what Jesus did for us. Think about it. This Holy Week, we can each enter more fully into the suffering of Jesus. We have a unique opportunity to experience this week what Jesus experienced the final week of his life. We can trust God even when he seems somewhat distant and even silent. We can hope in God like Jesus did, even when the future seems somewhat bleak and perhaps even hopeless. We can look to God like Jesus did and find him close to us, even in our isolation and our loneliness. And we can surrender to God's will. We can surrender ourselves to God's will, even when it feels overwhelming. Now, it's interesting that about one-third of the Psalms are called laments. They are passionate expressions of grief and sorrow. The prayers of lament or lamentation arise when we sit and speak out to God, just like the psalmist did, and to one another. When we say that we are stunned, when we sit in sadness, when we are silenced by this tragedy and absurd, absurdity of the human events that are happening around us, 
Without this, we do not suffer the necessary pain of this world, the necessary sadness of being human like Jesus did. You see, we often think lament makes us appear weak or helpless and vulnerable or shows a lack of faith. So we quickly would rather resort to praise and to thanksgiving. We forget that Jesus called weeping a blessed state in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. And that there is a book of the Bible that is named after this emotion. It's called the book of Lamentations. So we need to be reminded that our cries are not too much for God. God laments with us. In fact, God wants us to come to his divine presence in our anger, in our fear, in our loneliness, in our hurt, and in our confusion. When you look at the Psalms of Lament, the third of the book of Psalms, 150 of them are laments. Each lamenting psalm follows this basic structure. They begin with a complaint that things are not as they should be. They turn then into an appeal. God, do something. God, rescue me. God, heal me. God, restore me. God, show mercy. And then they finally end with an expression of trust. God, my hope is in you. Laments always end with the reminder that God is setting things right, even though it often seems slow. And it is right for our laments to turn toward a reminder that God is in control and he is about the business of righting all things that are made wrong. Now this Holy Week, one great illustration of a lamenting psalm is Psalm 22. And interestingly, the words of this psalm were the ones that Jesus borrowed as he hung helplessly and vulnerably on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That prayer that Jesus prays is ripped right from a lament psalm, Psalm 22. And perhaps that passionate expression of Jesus' grief and sorrow resonates with you today. Perhaps you too are feeling forgotten. Perhaps you too are feeling a sense of being forsaken. Well, friends, you're not alone. Jesus identifies with your sadness and with your sorrow. And so I hope today that as we close, you'll find the words of Psalm 22, a way to voice your complaint, your requests, and your trust in God who is always waiting to hear. As I prepare to read the words of this lament prayer, I want to invite you to pause briefly in silence and ask God to speak to you individually. I'll read the prayer slowly, pausing after each verse to allow you to express your own quiet lament before God. Remember, Jesus prayed these words. And so today, as you pray these words, you are joining him in your honest lament before your heavenly Father. Here are the words of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me?
from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, O God, they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Friends, may we enter into this holy week, this week of passion and suffering. May we enter into it fully with Jesus, because as we experience and embrace the suffering of Christ, it actually enhances our very character. And so I pray that God will bless you as you lament in your prayers to God this week and prepare your heart for what God wants to do in your life as we move next week into Easter. May God hold you, may God keep you, and may God put his arms of grace and mercy around you and keep your mind in perfect peace. God bless you. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.